0: Hello everybody Welcome to Cat Chat Live My name is Josh Tyler I'm the National College Advisory Program Director I think I need a shorter title But I'm just going to keep extending it My name is Josh Tyler With Rush Soccer And I'm joined by the glorious Recent Emmy winner Tyler Tomlinson I won? You did Congratulations Tyler Congratulations so uh, t- today we are we're going to be talking about the importance of hydration and how do you max how do you prepare uh, for game day. We're joined we're going to be joined by Clint Carter. Uh, he's been on the Today Show, yeah, he writes for Men's Health Men's Journal. Uh, so he's based in New York. He's going to be joining us and uh, talking about that. So it's going to be pretty exciting. But today is, uh, is October tenth. Six days until my birthday. That's going to be exciting. Yes. Thank you very much. I'm very proud that I'll be having another birthday that I'm alive. So, uh, but hey, uh, let's get into this. This is, uh, is CAPCHAT. You're listening to CAPCHAT, the number one soccer recruitment podcast in the United States.
1: This is CAPCHAT.
0: All right, Tyler. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well, Josh. I'm doing well. You're almost gonna. The term I've heard a lot lately is a trip or another trip around the sun.
0: Yeah, the trip around the old sun. Yeah,
1: I, yeah. I, I, I think I'm hearing that now because old people say it, and we're old, so you know.
0: You you know, it, yeah. It, it is. It, it is. It is weird getting old. I don't. It is just weird. I don't know. I don't feel. Sometimes I look at people that have kids my my age, and I'm like, God, they look so old, and they're and they're actually younger than me. I just feel. <laughs> I don't know. I feel you. I feel young, though. I'm not sure quite if, if I look young. That's the a
1: benefit one. of, uh, you know, working at a college and having like full time athletic trainers around all the time. <laughs> you know, like because I. Like, my, my back's been hurting me, you know, so, of course, I just go talk to our trainer and, like, yeah, it's, like, right here on the spine. Is this normal? And they're, like, well, why don't you just come over and we'll just get you some treatment and then, uh, you know, before practice. And I'm, like, oh, yeah. Or, nice. you know, the the average person's paying, like, $700 for that visit to get treatment somewhere yes. in a rehab facility. You know, my, my people are, like, yeah, we'll take care of you.
0: And sometimes, you know, I, I, I used to do the same thing. Faith was our was, was our trainer, and I'd go with the stupidest thing, and then, you know, a football player or someone right next to him, you know, <laughs> their, their arms are so like, can I come back in? And I'm like, oh man, my back hurts. I yeah, my I'll, I'll
1: feel. That, I'll feel that way. has yeah. <laughs> like a torn ACL next to me, and I'm like, yeah. You look right here at this part of my spine
0: yeah hey, i think i got a paper cut can i get a band-aid <laughs> what's been the worst part of getting old for you
1: oh boy i yeah i i for a while it was like it was the physical side of things mm-hmm. not being able to do what i used to do um you know like i i loved playing basketball but like basketball i don't know how Pro players do it, you know. The running uh, is okay, but like the jumping on hardwood for yeah. your back and knees, like I, it's ridiculous, you know. Like, so just not. I, I just quit because of that. I was like always sore and hurt after like mm-hmm. playing any basketball. Like, so probably like the physical side of things has been the toughest for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah. I, I I would I would agree with that. That that is a um, that's a that's a weird thing. I think for. I think for me like I have started snoring, uh, and I've never snored. My wife tells me I snore. I didn't believe her for the longest time. So now we actually have a. It, it's I travel with a noise maker because I, I need that white noise. It's a little small noise maker. So now, but that's actually put in the bed between us now, so she doesn't <laughs> hear my snoring. Um, I, I don't. I was like, what? When did I start snoring? I don't. I don't. Not that I ever remember snoring, obviously, but um, it's a new thing as I've gotten old. That's interesting. I, yeah, yeah. So that that part kind of sucks.
1: I'll, you know, I'll give you so. a dad joke about snoring. You know, like if your if your kid ever says that you snore, you can just simply say it's not true. Like I stayed up last night and recorded myself, and I didn't snore. So, mm. it's a good dad I, joke. I,
0: I, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not getting that one. I stayed up and recorded my. Oh, I stayed up to record. My, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> that's boom! God bless it. That is. Uh, yes, that's. Man. Okay. All right. Well, hey, I want to start. I'm going to go ahead and bring Clint on because uh, he is a fascinating guy, uh, and then so he can listen to Tyler's trends. Uh, I, I'm going to talk about him first, just because I can. Uh, he's he really is. I grew up with him actually from like the Ozarks, and he's one of those guys just super super fascinating. He's done a lot of cool things and. In, in, I've always wanted to be his best friend and just like <laughs> give him water, You know, like when he gets to go. I'm like, Clint, can I get you some water? And just to travel and do the the cool things that that he's doing. And uh, so I've always I've always been a fan of Clinton, followed him. Um, so I know this sounds really creepy. So that's um, I don't know what else to say here. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna play uh, the the theme song, Let Clint in, and and I just feel I feel Clint would like this. I don't. Know. Clint, Clint Carter, man. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. How's it going? Wait. You hear me? We come through all right?
0: I mean, you, you got to love this, right?
2: Highway, man. I I right? highway, man.
0: I nailed it. See, well, we could be better. I, man. I, I yep. think – did we just become best friends? Okay. Did
2: this just happen? Yeah. Jo- Josh, you were always like uh, – you, you were like my big brother on the soccer team when Aww. we played together. So I, I'd accept water for you anytime. <laughs>
0: Thanks, man. Thank you. I wore my New York shirt for you too. Nice. <laughs> How are you doing, man?
2: Uh, I'm fantastic. How are you doing? Here, you have a birthday coming. up. I do.
0: I do. Thank you. I see. He knows me. He just knows me. It's just... <laughs> I don't know Wish what I'd do without say, Facebook to tell me that. for birthdays. Because, and, and I'm still, I'm still flabbergasted that people, they still post like thanks for the post. I'm like, Facebook prompts you to like. Do do you do you really think that that Five hundred people remember your birthday. <laughs> it,
2: it, so then you're in the you have the ethical dilemma of do you tell them that you didn't actually remember or do you accept praise for something that uh, you didn't actually do?
0: I just don't post anything on Facebook. I don't post. It oh for yeah, birthday. You just get around it. Yeah.
2: No happy birthdays. Nothing. Don't tell me when your birthday. No. That's a better way. Because think.
0: I don't want to get stuck on the on the, the notification chain because then it's like every time they some new person posted. I don't care the 80th person that posted happy birthday for Clint. Um, <laughs> so if I really care, I'll text someone directly. I'll say, hey, happy birthday. Um, but other than that, I, I just try not to care.
2: So you don't want anyone to give any happy birthdays on Facebook? Noted. Uh,
0: yeah. No, I prefer not. Yeah. But th- because then now you feel obligated. Yeah, Tyler, no now you feel obligated thanks. to say, hey, oh, thanks, thanks everyone for wishing me happy birthday. And it's like, eh, you know, so it is what it is. I don't know. I'm just grumpy. Yeah. We're just talking about getting old now. I'm grumpy. So I need, <laughs> I need to go get my cup of coffee. <laughs> well, let's, uh, now that, but hey, Tyler, we're going to start, uh, we're going to do some de- Tyler's trends and uh, and then we'll get right into talking about hydration and all that fun stuff. So uh, we're going to say hi to Ruthie here. I
1: tend to think of myself as a
0: one man wolf pack. And my wolf pack crew, by one.
1: It's time for Tyler's Trends. All right, Josh. Ooh. Thanks, Ruthie, for my great intro. I hope England is treating her well. <laughs> um, so the, the the process that we're at now for a lot of kids, Josh, um, and, and the trend that is happening is the narrowing down of choices, right? We're at that spot in a lot of uh, decision-making. Uh, and that this is – like the second hardest part of it, right? The the hardest part, obviously, is if you do have a, a few, uh, two schools, three schools that you're really interested in and in picking one. The, the the harder part before that is is maybe getting from like six to three or five to two or something like that. Um, and so we're at that trend now where a lot of students around the nation are narrowing down their choices. Um, and that's a good spot to be at. Uh, if you haven't already, maybe you're a junior that's deciding early. Maybe you're a, a senior that's deciding a little bit later or right on time, depending on, well, you know, if you're male or female. Um, but what I think is important to, to note in this in this narrowing down process is that uh, the recruit communicates to the coaches and the colleges the reasons why their school is still in it. Okay, I think that's an important trend uh, that needs to be noted. Um, you know, hey, uh, be communicative first, like we always say, right? Communicate with your with your options that you're still looking at them. Uh, but then maybe tell them why you're still looking at them. And that could help you out in some way or another. Uh, I'm looking at you because I feel like I have an opportunity to contribute to your team immediately. And that interests me. I'm looking at your school because um, it might be the right fit for me financially. I'm um, looking at your school because, you know, number one most important thing to me is that you have the major and your school is very good with what I want to study. I think that's sometimes forgotten, Josh, because noting those things to those people, the, the coach, maybe even an admission staff or something, that can let them know, oh, maybe there's some things we can do to better uh, give this kid the opportunity they need so they choose us. They just said we've narrowed it down to, to uh, we're in the finals, Right. Uh, maybe we can come back and, and help that student with telling them and being honest with why, you know, you're still narrowing down to that school is, is an important part of the process. So I think that part's just kind of forgotten a little bit. So it is, uh, for me, like if a kid says, hey, you know, I've narrowed down to you in a couple other schools, I'd like to know what can separate us. Um, I'd like to know that we are narrowed down to just a couple other schools. So it's okay to communicate that part of the process. And it's something we haven't talked about too often on the show.
0: Do do you do you th- at what point do you tell them? Do you say, "Hey, I, you're in my top five, or you're in my top three, you're in my top ten? I mean, at, at what? I mean, if someone goes to you and says, "Hey, you know, coach, you're in my top 15, I mean, like, great. I mean, do you? At, at what point yeah. do you say you're like, you know, here, here's your rose. You're in the top three.
1: Yeah, yeah. Good question. Uh, look, it's sad I, that I've we all know told- that By the way. <laughs> I've been told like I've been, I'm in someone's top nine. Right. And they, I top, think they use top that nine. Yeah. I think they use that term. Um, and, and then, so I'll tell you my, my emotions, my feelings through that time. It, it, I was not flattered.
0: You're my top eight and a half.
1: Yeah. It, so it, I was not flattered. Um, and in fact, I thought yeah, yeah.
0: top, top nine. Yeah.
1: I think so I saw, so I saw, I this story. happened. I called another coach. Um, and I, I said, uh, I said, top nine, how would you respond? And the coach said, uh, get back to them and see if you're in the top three of the top nine, if they haven't <laughs> ranked out. And I said, that seems like a weird response, but I'm actually going to do it because then I know the kid's seriousness towards us.
0: Well, so, were, were, you, were you number eight? Or were no. You?
1: So hold on. So okay. I'm like, if this kid is smart, no matter what they're going to say, they should say yes. True, right? And they said they said yes. I don't think that sh- that kid chose Culver Stockton, but I can tell you that they said yes because they, they weren't a dummy. Uh, but uh, no, I I think y- you you have to get it down to three if you are going to like seriously consider eight schools. You are overwhelmed, right? You are going to have to narrow it down. I, I think three is great. Two is even better. Uh, that's when you can communicate that information. That was a good question.
0: So 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 for Clint, Clint was a um, uh, journalist, but. Clint, so, non-soccer player, though, narrowing down your process, uh, how, how was it for you trying to narrow down? Like, why did you choose Mizzou? Or did you know from day one, I'm going to Mizzou because of journalism, or how did that look for you?
2: No, I I didn't have a great selection process, to be honest. I knew I wanted a small school close to home, so I didn't start at Mizzou. I started at Drury. Oh, that's and, right. Um, that's right.
0: I forgot about that.
2: Yeah, so, I went there for two years, but that, those were like my you know, I need to go to college just to figure out what I want in life years. So I, I was a little, you know, I was a little rudderless, I would say, and I needed that. So school selection seems kind of like, you know, I wasn't choosing by major. I wasn't choosing by the, you know, the athletic teams. Um, I was choosing just to figure out where I was going next. And then once I figured it out, then I then I transferred to Mizzou because there was a great journalism program. Um, and then, and then I kind of knew what I wanted. But, yeah, so so I took time to figure out what I needed. It took me two years. So I don't know if it was the best approach for everyone. I mean, it took me five and a half years to graduate. So
0: yeah, it took me took me five. Know. I think for Clinton, we just wanted to get out of like the Ozarks. We just wanted to leave. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to leave and not look back. <laughs> so hey, do your parents still have the fireworks stand?
2: Uh this year they officially retired so oh. they no longer they're no longer doing uh they had gas station at a couple gas stations a couple fireworks stands now mm. they're traveling the country in an rv which i think it sounds like a way better way to live
0: yeah for sure see that fits the song even more
2: the, <laughs> the highway yeah the highway man and woman
0: <laughs> yeah have you guys heard the, the highway women version
2: yeah yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, ,s so, like
2: Brandy Carlisle? Yeah, I don't know. it's another super group. Yeah,
0: Tyler, you'd like it. It's your kind I would of, probably. Kind of music. yeah, well, that's a good that's a good because you know we, and we talked last week about you know top questions to ask and and but that, that, I think that's that's a good one to to tell. I think that's a problem that I say it's a problem. It's scary enough for kids going through the recruitment process and let alone keep it an open dialogue and and need them to know it's okay. You're gonna get told no. As coaches, we've been told no. The bulk of kids we talk to or tell tell us no, and yeah. and they're afraid to say you're in my top two or you're in my top nine on nerves. Um,
1: Rejection is so. part of it, and I and I think just the honesty of why is helpful. And, and the reason this kind of came to to the subject for me is, you know, we had a kid that that told me, hey, to make a decision, I have to know my FAFSA uh, and, yeah. and how it's going to be financially. That will help me decide if I can attend your college. And I said, okay, that's I understand that. So we waited, like, months. Um, And then before, like, all this FAFSA stuff even hit, because we're right at the spot now, she told me she had committed to a school that was more expensive than us. And the reason being is because she had a better chance to play there, which is true. Yeah. But I didn't know that's what we were waiting. If that was going to be on the table, you know, we could have – given that scholarship to someone else in that time, you know? So just being honest with why you're choosing a school, I think was an important aspect for, yeah. for me as a coach to try to help them to the best of my ability.
0: Very good. Well, let's, uh, I don't want to keep, keep Clint waiting too long. Cause he has a lot of cool knowledge and, and, and cool things. He's, he's the guy's been on the today show. So, I mean, he's, he's, we, we can't, we can't keep him waiting, you know?
2: So I can talk for four minutes. Yeah. That's what that oh, <laughs> is sorry. that what that means? <laughs>
0: you know, I I watched your one on uh, on uh, when the 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 small chair that folds up.
2: And probably one of the camp, the camping chair. I
0: think, so. yeah. Was that it? And, and it's this chair that folds up, uh, like small, like really, really small. And for and for us, like we trout, like I was like, oh, I, I I would love to see you open the chair. But I guess you only have four minutes you had to go right by because you remember saying it folds up this small. I'm like, Ooh, how
2: small does it fold up? And then you had to go I to- mean sometimes sometimes we've got it planned out where I'm gonna where I'm gonna demonstrate something, but then like you see the producers off camera like speeding us along and so you're like, We gotta just we gotta fly through some stuff.
0: Imagine. I mean I've been on segments where like. we
2: had I don't know, I had like ten things I wanted to talk about and at number seven they were like, We're done so they just, just hmm. stop huh. get through what you get through
0: that's pretty cool so so
2: so i'll send you a, i'll send you a demonstration of that chair folding up yeah right? i'd love to i was really be be excited because <laughs>
0: we, we always try to find i know i got a new uh uh accordion chair you know that that folds up and, and um i don't i don't know why i keep doing this this is baby shark <laughs> bump bump but uh so yeah we like the compact chairs but so I got to ask. I do want to ask. You know, what's the cool? You've done some really cool things. You know, you did the the a week long of, of ninja training, and you've climbed mountains. And what's the coolest thing that that you've been able to do uh, in in your career?
2: Man, it's it's hard to. I mean, it's hard to rank. I've been really lucky. I think with a lot of the travel stuff that I've been able to do. So, um, I was able to go to the, the 2014 Olympics in Sochi. Um, that was very cool. Um, reporting has taken me to Kenya, to Panama. Um, and then like, you know, just like up until, up until the pandemic, I was dra- traveling domestically even still quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know. some of it is like, you know, I got to summit Mount Rainier, um, that, you know, cause I do a lot of like hiking and camping sort of, uh, writing and coverage. um, yeah, I don't know. And the American Ninja Warrior thing was great, too. I, I think some of the cool stuff is, like, I in addition, like, part of that same thing where I spent that time learning kind of prepping to do American Ninja Warrior, which turns out a week is not enough time for that at all. <laughs> you get a week? Because training. Is, so it's or, I week? mean, just learning, <laughs> trying to build your upper body strength and your forearm strength. Like, I, I'm fine in a gym, but when it comes to, like, being able to do, like, really intensive upper body stuff, uh, you, <laughs> there's only so much. You can learn some technique, but you can only build so much strength in one week you know it's not it's not the best training regimen but um part of that same thing was like spend a week trying to learn how to do a high line which is like i don't know if you're familiar with it but it's like you you string uh, a little a piece of webbing it's about a quarter inch thick you, you span it between two two clips you're you're clipped in with the harness but your goal is to walk across the exposure is just like kind of terrifying because yeah. you're supposed to balance and <laughs> I, I managed to be able to do, like, what you might have seen in a park before, which is, like, a slack line, a piece of webbing on the ground where you can, like, kind of, where you can kind of, like, high line between two trees. What's
0: on the ground? But, you should be able to do that.
2: Yeah. Well, okay. So, it's, like, it's like two feet off of the ground. <laughs> okay. okay. But the, the, I the managed to walk on a string fall... <laughs> that was in the grass
0: and nailed it. and never fell off. Yeah. I mean.
2: The difference being just, like, when you fall, are you landing on your feet or are you do you have the like illusion of falling very far and getting caught in a harness? Oh my god! So stuff like that learned to, I, you know, spent, spent a week learning to do some like BMX bike riding with uh, Nigel Sylvester. Who's a big BMX bike rider. Um, got to do some like, you know, like the Olympic training ski jump, they jump into a pool, but that's where they practice like the, like the, the triple backflips and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I got to do some of that.
0: You skied um, off it.
2: Skied off of it and 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 worked toward doing a double backflip and landing in the pool. It's very fun. Um, but yeah, so so some fun stuff for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, we need to. But be, I also like I think Clint's this story, friend. that kind of got us talking again though, was the one that I did when I went to the Corey Stringer Institute, which is uh, they've got like a really sophisticated heat lab there, yeah. which is where athletes will go to train. Um, really what they're doing is they're increasing their heat threshold a lot of times. So like if you know, like if I wanted to go, a lot of people will go do a marathon in Kona for instance, and they they know the temperature is going to be a lot different when they get there, it's going to be hot. So they'll go spend 10 days, two weeks just doing training in high heat, high humidity that changes the amount. I mean, it, it physically changes their blood volume. So they get more blood pumping into their organs changes the way that their body is able to sort of like accommodate all the needs of high intensity training in high heat. And uh, so I went there just for a day just to kind of get a taste for what it feels like to go through some of that training. And uh, it was pretty fascinating, but that's where I started to get kind of interested in some of the science of hydration too.
0: Yeah. And and you talk about the high, so I got a question about the high heat is and you know, we talk ice baths a lot, you know, for is, how do those how do those kind of this is my dumb question here, you know, but we talk you hear, okay, you need to take an ice bath to to relax, but then now we're saying, okay, the high heat thing. What what's the difference there? Is is that I don't know if you understand my, my question. I, I, I don't know if I, I, do, I know enough to even ask the question.
2: Yeah, no, I think Um, And I'm not I'm not probably like totally versed in like the the specific mechanisms at play here. But I but I do know there's a lot of research coming into just putting your body into uncomfortable situations. So we live in temperature controlled worlds, probably 67 to 72 degrees, 98 percent of your life. So putting yourself into extreme this is this is kind of uh the pseudoscience way to answer it, i think but putting yourself into extreme temperatures sort of increases your body's capacity to handle all kinds of adversity so um you know you've got a lot of people that are really practicing uh all kinds of cold therapy and hot therapy and a lot of the same people are doing both of those things because they benefit your body in different ways so yeah but but um you know, there's – one of the things is like being in a really high – high being in a sauna, for instance, even if you're not moving, is somewhat similar to cardio because uh, what you're ultimately doing is like your, your body requires a certain amount of blood all the time, your heart, your muscles, your organs. As soon as you get in high heat, a lot of that blood gets pushed right to your skin because that's how you cool off, it's pushing water out of your skin. You're sweating; it's trying to cool you down. But now that leaves less blood for everything else, so your heart has to work harder. Um, you're trying to get blood to more places at once, and that's that's high heat. Even if you're not you know, exerting yourself at all, so when you throw in, um, you know, like uh, any kind of um, athletic performance on top of that in high heat, uh, it becomes very demanding on your body. Now you've got your legs are demanding extra load of blood. Your skin is the skin is demanding an extra load of blood. And on top of that, if your core temperature is increasing, your body is sending signals to lower the output on all of those things. Well, specifically your muscles, because your body is very, very tuned to make sure that you don't get too hot because it'll kill you. So you have to you have to overcome that in a, in a smart way a lot of it is, is pushing through perceived pain but a lot of it is also just making sure that you um, are, are trained for heat and you're hydrated and all these things that that require that sort of help your body adapt to uh, intense training
0: so let's let's talk about the the hydration uh, you know that's kind of our main topic and I think it's a topic that most that people forget about uh, hydration you know I come from a little different background because my mom, Owned a Colgan Water dealership, so I literally grew up with water. So there's there's a little, little so, but I don't think it's talked about enough. And how to Let's talk about hydration and how I guess it it affects your uh, a game day performance uh, when dealing with that with athletics.
2: Sure. Yeah. So, um, uh, I'll talk about it from the perspective of heat because I think the lessons there. Are sort of universal, even if you're not playing outside on a hot day. Um, Like I said, when you're when you um, as your core temperature starts to increase, your your body will push your blood out to your skin. Automatically, that means you're going to need. I mean, you're going to need more blood, basically, or you have less output. So one way to keep your blood volume high is to stay hydrated. The water that you drink is literally su- like increasing the volume of your blood. There's more of it to fill your veins, to increase the the amount of blood that your heart pumps out with each heartbeat. Um, and you've got more of it to go around. So that's, that's one really simple thing. That's very good to keep your body cool uh, as you start to exercise. Um, but it's also good to just to make sure that your muscles are supplied with blood, um, your heart, pushes more blood that's all related to hydration um some of the stuff like the the, the estimates vary a little bit but it's like for every one percent that you're dehydrated um and they just measure that by the straight up body mass how much are you sweating one percent dehydration very common uh, most athletes probably finish a game far more than one percent dehydrated but for every one percent you're dehydrated, your 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 heart's going to have to uh, beat three to five, maybe seven times more um, per minute, and your body temperature is going to be half a degree higher. So all those things work against you to lower your amount of cardiovascular and athletic output.
0: Is uh, I'd heard one time that by the time you're thirsty, you're twenty percent dehydrated. I don't know if that's I've heard that before.
2: That's not, I mean. I think that's pretty consistent with a lot of things I've seen. I haven't heard that number, but that, that seems right. I mean, a lot of, uh, I mean, especially when it comes to like when, when you start to get more serious about athletic performance, there's, I mean, there are a couple ways that you can test your dehydration. And like you said, most people will say that when you're thirsty, you've probably, you're probably already dehydrated. Um, one is looking at your pee. You yeah. can do that every single time you go to the bathroom and it's like the, it's the best way because you're always doing it. And it's, it's, if it looks like apple juice. You're in big trouble um should be light colored. That's something you should be thinking about all the time not just for athletic performance. Um and then like for elite athletes they usually know their sweat rate. And you can like people can figure this out, but like they won't they they're not drinking like a, a, a an elite marathoner is not just drinking when they're thirsty. They know exactly how much water they're going to drink uh, yeah. over the course of a run because they know their sweat rate. And the sweat rate is going to vary a bit depending on um the, the conditions, the heat and the humidity. Um, so like if, if anybody wanted to like really know their sweat rate, um, you, you do a test in a few different conditions and then you kind of get an idea of how much water you need. Hmm. Like, you know, for each one. So,
1: uh, so a lot of it, you know, when, when it hit the beginning of the season, you know, and this, so I sat through a seminar on acclimatization um, and the guy had been at the Corey Stringer Institute or whatever with the, you said, and, you know, cited some things that they were doing and whatnot. And so, you know, it's about keeping body temperature down, making sure we're training the proper m- amounts of time with the hydration, etc. So fast forward to like, we're in the middle of the season. Um, and, and honestly, like for for a while we've had some pretty hot games, but now the temperatures have kind of evened out, especially in the Midwest. Um, but for me, so I would say like right now, our, all of our players pretty much should be acclimatized to to the conditions that they're they're training and playing in, um, you know, this far into the season. But especially on our men's side for soccer, I'm seeing like more than usual a lot of cramps uh, that are taking place, leg cramps in games and things like that. Um, do you think that is, you know, strictly a hydration thing? Is there a diet issue that may be an increase of, of why, or what people are drinking like right before a game or something like that, or something they're Mm -hmm. taking? Uh,
2: it's a good question. I think the cramps, so it's related to hydration for sure, but the real issue I think is usually, um, an electrolyte imbalance. So I think typically it might mean, um, it might mean that they, they, you know, maybe need more salt in their diet. They might need more, um, uh, electrolytes prior to, or maybe even during, um, during a game that, I mean, obviously that's related to water because water and electrolytes, I mean, that's, that's how they move around. Um, but yeah, to your point though, I think that people should be, um, they should be like prepared for the lower temperature. I mean, a, one of the things I said at the Core Stringer Institute that I thought was kind of fascinating was like training at high heat and then going into, you know, lower temperatures. It's like le- legal bu- blood doping because mm-hmm. you're increasing your blood volume mm-hmm. and then you're going into a, a, a situation, an environment where you wouldn't have naturally done that. So it's no, there's nothing, there's nothing shady about it. You just train in high heat and then you move to low heat. You've got now more blood than, um, than, than you could probably create in those sort of natural environment conditions. But yeah, the the cramping thing is related to electrolytes. So that's, you know, typically sodium, potassium, things like that. Um, So yeah, that's what I would, that's what I would probably suggest addressing if, uh, assuming that the players are drinking enough water. And I I would think that that's something that should be, you know, I, I would say not just on the field, but also, Prior to the game and everything else, well, Josh
1: probably knows this too, and I'm, just, I'm not even lying. Like I've seen more kids put down uh, like a Bang energy drink like right before the game, and they just Ooh. these kids are just like positive still that that helps them and perform at a higher level. And I I couldn't tell them how wrong they really are, especially in a, <laughs> in a sport like soccer where your output is so high for so such a long period of time. You know that what that does to your body as far as dehydration ultimately is
2: going to really hurt. So you'd, you'd be, well, you know, another thing too, and this sounds crazy, but I think a lot of times if you were used, if you, if you were drinking a certain amount of water in high heat and you found that you were staying um, hydrated during a game and you continue that same amount of water, when the temperature drops, you can also overhydrate a little bit. Um, so, so that's a thing too. I, I don't know. If that's always the case. I don't think that that's usually what people do. I think that people tend to, when they're doing, when they're, when they're performing, they tend to err on the side of not having enough water. But if you're forcing water down uh, too much, that, that I mean, that's also entirely a thing. Your body can only really accommodate at most for most people. It's like a liter and a half or something like that per hour. Um, and then you have a, you know, and then you want to replenish what you've. You want to use that total to replenish what you've lost. Uh, a lot of times during a game, if it's if it's cold, you might not be losing that much water at all. Uh, that doesn't mean you shouldn't drink any water, but it should. It means you probably shouldn't just be dr- drinking to to fullness at at every opportunity.
0: But, and, and so the things we I see here in the Midwest, is the weather changes so quick, you know, and we don't get caught. So you're right. When it's not as hot, we don't drink as much water, and then all of a sudden, two days later, it's 95 degrees again, and we're rolling into that game. And that's when we start cramping because we're so dehydrated. Mm, we just to prepare be, for yeah. it. Um, it, which I guess leads in the question: Is when do you start preparing for a, a game or a competition? You get a game on Friday. You know what is? At what point do you kind of start thinking, "Hey, I need to get my body prepped for this. It's going to be hot. Can you drink enough the night before? Or is it like a forty-eight hour? What's what's that? What's that process look like?
2: I mean, you, you can't really like stock up on water, you know, it doesn't necessarily work like that. I, I also would suggest that you should be staying hydrated all the time. Um, if nothing else, it's just going to help with recovery and things like that. Uh, but but you can't say like, well, I've got a big game tomorrow. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to drink six liters tonight to get ready for it. That doesn't work, but you probably should. Um, so like the, um, american council on exercise recommends that you basically start drinking a little bit more about four hours before a game but but even then you're only drinking making sure you get in about 20 ounces just because the sheer fact that like you should be hydrated when you start and um and you're not you're not really going to stock up so it's going to come down to replacing as you go i think is probably more important and if you want to be sophisticated about that to your point of the temperature changing, you can have some benchmarks in your head. Like you can, I mean, you can look at a weather app and you can know the relative humidity and you can know the temperature. It's very, it's sometimes very difficult to know how much you're sweating because if it's a, if it's low humidity, for instance, you might feel like you're not sweating, but it's evaporating so fast. And then that's, that's good. I mean, that's cooling you off very quickly, uh, but it can be misleading in terms of how much you're actually sweating. There, There are times when I've been out, felt like I haven't sweated at all, but yet I've got salt stains all over my shirt. So that means... I'm losing sodium, I'm losing electrolytes. I have been sweating, I didn't even realize it. So to be sophisticated about this, you, you could take your benchmark temperature, whatever you want, whatever temperature you're testing at. Um, you could take your average humidity in your, your area. Uh, you weigh yourself before maybe uh, um, uh, a game or practice or whatever it is uh, with the water that you're gonna drink. Then you finish that water and you weigh yourself again. And the difference of those two numbers is gonna tell you as a percentage of your body weight um, whether or not you've you, you drank more than you sweat, whether or not you've swept more than you've drank. And if you've lost 2% of your body weight, that's, that's when when most trainers and experts will say that you're too dehydrated. It's not, you're not in a dangerous level then, but your muscles are not working as hard as they could be. You're not reacting as fast as you could be. Your cardio output is gonna be significantly lower um, so you definitely want to stay within like that 2% of what you consider to be your normal hydration level.
0: Yeah, I've, I've seen the sponge. Have you guys seen the sponge example? Uh, they, they show you, um, you know, a dry sponge is what your muscles are like when, when there's no water. And then when you pour water on the sponge, it gives a kind of a, because your muscles dry up basically when you're not when you're not hydrated as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I mean, you have like it's literally like having less blood, yeah. which is, you know, so not good
0: for so cardio. I, w- I want to f- kind of talk about that, and then I'm going to get to your your one tip that you you brought uh, another tip for him. But w- the n- day before a game, you know, do you so so four hours before you know is when you kind of you know for the water is pasta still a thing? Is that something that is is that just an old wives' tale that like, hey the night before I need to I need to carb load.
2: I think there's, I mean, I think there's something to it, but I, but I think the pasta thing the night before a game, um, is probably better if you had pasta after your your the game you just finished. I mean, I think that's probably a better way to think of when you want to have high carbohydrates. You can also you can also increase your carbohydrate out like your intake during during athletic performance. You add about you're going to burn about thirty to sixty carbohydrate thirty to sixty carbohydrates per hour while you're performing. So if you want to keep that really easy access energy to your muscles, you can eat about 30 to 60 carbohydrates per hour. That's good. And then afterwards, you're also going to have your muscles are going to run out of sugar, too. There's, a, there's about 2000 calories worth of sugar stored in your muscles at any one time. You use that uh, for energy during a game. And then the best time to replenish it is, you know, within an hour, 90 minutes, maybe two hours after a game. So that's when you really probably want carbohydrates um, and then during performance. So, you know, like I, 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 as somebody who doesn't, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an endurance athlete. Like I find the nutrition science extremely interesting. I do, you know, I, I think in terms more of like bike rides and things like that. I do a lot of bike riding, a lot of hiking. I don't prepare for any of uh, those things by eating a lot of carbohydrates in advance, but I will, if I have like, say... I've been on like multi-day bike rides back to back. I'm taking in a lot of sugar during, and uh, I'm continuing to take in sugar afterward or carbohydrates, sugar, same basic thing to your body, but so um, it, it,
0: it seems to be yeah. more important post game, post performance than, than pre-performance taking care of everybody. Yeah. That.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think the science would suggest that entirely. Um, you know, it, if you like, Pasta. Then you should eat pasta when you eat it. I suppose I don't think there's anything necessarily bad with that. If you're an athlete and you're burning those calories, but it's not going to give you a whole lot of an athletic edge. I don't believe.
0: Okay. Well, and then one other thing you had brought up um, that people miss is is the the power of of, of sleep. Um, and you brought that up, and I think that is is missed a lot, and that funny i was just talking about me snoring so this yeah, is, is this video
1: is this audio <laughs> yeah, you?
0: yeah emily sent this to me you should use this on you know um uh, but yeah so let's talk about let's talk about the sleep and i think obviously for for high school age players it's it's missed a lot and yeah um so it t- talk about this sleep and how it affects your performance
2: yeah. So the, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because, um, a lot of the research uh, this is, you know, there, there's a whole movement to push back the start time for school and everything because younger, uh, just, just, just younger students have a different circadian rhythm. So like they should be sleeping like, they, like an athlete should probably be sleeping eight to 10 hours a night, um, if they're training. And that means that they should probably be sleeping really if, if, like you know if if my natural wake time I'm 37 if my natural wake time is like 7 um you know when i was 19 it was probably more like 8:39 um and that doesn't mean that like the real world allows you to do that you you still have to like you have to get up when you have to be to class but the 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 thing is that i think is fascinating about that is um a lot of younger people are walking around perpetually sleep deprived. And when you're perpetually sleep deprived, you do not know what it feels like to be perpetually sleep deprived. You know, it's like the the fish in water, uh, who doesn't realize they're in a tank because it's the the water is all they know. That's all that's around them. So, um, Hmm. so I think that there's a big potential performance boost. That's just waiting there for a lot of people to grab. If they can sort of, uh, figure out how to, you know, turn down the, Whatever the whatever it is that keeps them up late at night, whether it's Netflix or hanging out with friends, if they could just set us like an earlier bedtime and get strive for that 10 hours sleep. I mean, if 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 you wake up without an alarm clock, you've nailed it. But the thing is, when you have um, when you're sleep deprived, it's it's all the same things we've been talking about with with being dehydrated. Your your reaction time goes down, your uh, cardio output goes down. Um, your energy level goes down. Uh, they say with like less than, when you sleep only six hours, you lose 30% of your athletic performance is like a stat that I've seen that goes around. Um, wow. there's a, there's a fascinating book on this called why we sleep. It's by this, uh, this, this doctor, um, uh, what's his name? Matthew Walker. I, I, I recommend it. It's a fascinating book. It makes sleep a really fascinating subject, but, um, um, yeah, I, I just think that that's, uh, Like I I just feel like that's a lot of people talk about hydration and I think it is important and and figuring out how to do it right is tricky. But sleep is one that I kind of feel like not enough people really talk about, because even when you talk about the recommendation to get eight hours, it's realistically probably not enough for most sort of like high achieving student athletes who are putting (laughs) their demands are so high and they're still young. So their sleep requirements are just more.
0: What, what about, what about naps? I mean, so does, if you're looking at, you say you need 10 hours of sleep, are you looking at 10 hours sleep in a 24 hour period or 10 hours straight? You know, could you take two, two naps and get in? What's.
2: I I would say steal them when you can get it. Usain Bolt was kind of famous for taking naps when, before, like, you know, before he ran, he broke world records by napping within a few hours of, you know, like that's what he would do. That was his routine. Um, So certainly I think that, uh, that naps can be really beneficial. And sometimes that's just easier to fit into a, a schedule.
0: Uh, and I think, especially for the collegiate athlete, cause they're, they're traveling, they're staying I mean they, they have to study and, you know, and the demands are pretty high. And, and um, cause you, you know, I've heard before, like, you don't want to nap before a game, you know, like if you, but I mean, why not?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure that I'm, you know, and I'm sure there's something there about knowing your own body and like how much that sort of like that brain fog is going to like carry over um uh but yeah but but you said like studying for for finals these things are these things are stressful and one of the things that happens when you uh when you haven't slept is that your body is just like a lot it's it's like it's it it activates your parasympathetic nervous system so that you're very close to fight or flight at all times that means your blood vessels are constricted that means your heart rate's a little higher all these things i mean terrible for athletic performance but also is terrible for academic performance as well, you're, you're stressed out. You're just stressed out even when you shouldn't be. And you have a stressful life already. And then you throw in this kind of, you, you know, you lower your threshold for stress and which is what happens when you're not sleeping. Uh, and it's just, it's not, you're just not going to get your best performance on the field in the classroom. Uh, so yeah, I think that's, and it, it happens, happens fast. It happens. It's much worse with people that are like, you know, like perpetually, uh, sleep deprived, sleeping six hours a night over and over and over is, is, you know, it's, it's one of the leading causes of car accidents. It's, um, it's, you know, uh, considered to be one of the biggest drains on business productivity. It's just people that don't know they're sleep deprived showing up to work. Um, but, uh, but it also happens with, with one night of lousy sleep, your performance goes down. You can't remember as many numbers at one time. You can't run as fast. Like all of these things change. Like, immediately if you have a lousy night of sleep and you know harping on that too much can be stressful too for anyone with sleep problems (laughs) so you you don't want to like overthink it you just lay there in bed thinking i have to sleep or i'm going to ruin my day tomorrow that's not really the point it's just you got to give yourself the time in bed with you know the lights out that's that's basically it
0: is it is it, what's the, what do you think about the theory of, okay, during the week I'm sleep deprived and then Saturday I'm just going to sleep for 20 hours. Does that catch you up? Can you catch up on sleep?
2: Man, I've, I've tried it. I, you know, from <laughs> personal experience, it sure feels good to, to sleep in on Saturday. But, um, I think the, the re- the body of research suggests that it, it's not going to help you. Uh, it's not going to help you when you're sleep deprived. Like it might help you on that Saturday, but it's also, there's a certain amount of, Um, This gets a little bit beyond just the sort of the athletic edge, but like there's a certain amount of neurological damage that comes with being sleep deprived. There's certain certain cells in your brain that actually shrink down when you're in sleep, and that creates bigger channels for cerebral fluid to flush through. And that cleans out certain certain sort of things, certain proteins that just sort of gum up your brain. Um, You can't. One night of sleep doesn't—it's like you need a deep clean, and it doesn't really work that way. You have to do the routine maintenance, and that's where regular sleep comes in. So, you know, I, I doubt that many college students are necessarily already in the the point when they're thinking about the long term implications. But um, but but years of uh, of not sleeping is going to you know increase. It's gonna—it just leads to like much higher rates of dementia and. Alzheimer's like way down the line, but in the, in the short term, you see the, you see the impact on um, academic performance immediately. Hmm.
0: And, and I think that it's a vicious cycle. Cause I mean, we're not, we're not naive to think that college students don't don't drink alcohol, which, which dehydrates you uh, and you're not sleeping. And so there's a vicious cycle of, you know, and you, I've heard teams, I, Tyler, I don't know what your your policies, but we I've, I've seen teams go through a completely dry season um, to say, you know cuz it helps you with your sleep cuz now you're dehydrated and and you're always playing catch up because of what alcohol does to your, to your body um and 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 it's this it's a vicious cycle to try to get out of and, and well
1: it yeah. and it affects other aspects like uh injury recovery rehabilitation um academic performance um
0: are you talking yeah, alcohol or like, or dehydration i guess it's kind of uh, one of the,
1: the same yeah, yeah. And illness you know like Colleges are known for, you know, when one person gets sick, everybody's sick at the college, especially mm-hmm. for the kids. And so you're also, you know, delaying your recovery time from that when you drink. So there's just so many negatives, um, when, especially for the college student life in season that that should deter you from making those decisions.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to um, to that point too, sleep, is, like a lot of people. Uh, you know uh, my personal experience when i was younger i didn't have any problem going to sleep when i was uh, after i had a few beers but um but but they'll say that like in brainwave studies you don't get the same kind of sleep it's a very different sleep you get it's a very shallow sleep um and so you're not getting the kind of what is this it's it's kind of like neural pruning so like if you studied a whole bunch and then you went out drinking and then you and then you went to sleep um you're not going to sort of encode the things that you studied the same way that you would have if you hadn't drank, because you're not getting the, the deep sleep that you need to do it. So, uh, there's that aspect of it too. I mean, it's dehydrating, um, you know, and, and I say, this is someone who drinks, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm certainly not like, and I say this as someone who breaks a lot of the rules. Like, uh, I, <laughs> like I don't always sleep as much as I should. I sometimes drink before I'm supposed to go to sleep. Um, but but being aware of these things certainly changes my behavior in a pretty significant way.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to close my vodka bottle now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tell you, this to me, at least, has has been has been incredibly fascinating. Um, it, it I I hope people take the time to listen to this because it is fascinating. Uh, we don't talk about it enough um, and. You know, I know there are teams. You know, New York FC. They uh, they they test hydration every single day for the for the players because, like you said, you can be overhydrated, and so they're testing the hydration every single day. And um, like I so said, we we don't, I don't feel we focus on enough. And uh, so I learned something. I always say, hey, it's going to be hot Saturday. Let's start drinking water Thursday, and that doesn't. So now we're just, but it's still good to drink water.
2: Um, oh, yeah, still. I don't want to. I wouldn't discourage anybody from drinking water, like. Most people are perpetually dehydrated. I'll just throw this out one real quick. This was a this was an older study, but it uh, was of college athletes and it said that ninety one percent of them uh, started their games dehydrated. So I don't think telling people to drink more water is going to be uh, is gonna backfire.
0: Ninety one percent. Good golly, that is is it's that ninety one is that true. Tyler, how do you think you guys do you guys handle hydration?
1: Like probably not. We're probably ninety one percent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> i i i'll uh i'll say as as a caveat this was 10 years ago and it was a small study um but they had indoor soccer players on there they had a bunch of other um they had a bunch of other athletes but uh but yeah it was um it, it was enough it was enough to make you think that probably we're, more of us are dehydrated than we realize yeah
0: no it is it, and it's huh well uh, tyler any last words here for 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 our, our new best friend, Clint. <laughs> just, yeah,
1: just wanted to say thanks to Clint for taking the time and, and giving us some insight into this uh, important subject. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Clint, you, we gave you more than four minutes, too. So it's, uh... <laughs> hey, Boy, man, thank I can't you. I
2: believe I can talk that
0: <laughs> <long>. <laughs> it's been, It's been fascinating, man. It's been, congrats on everything that you've done. It's really cool. Congrats. I know you get a, get a new little one. Hopefully you're getting some sleep with the little one in the house.
2: Mm, trying. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll disrupt your sleep. But uh yeah, I appreciate it, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks for listening to CapChat, the number one soccer recruitment podcast in the United States. Be sure to check back every two weeks for new episodes of CapChat, exclusively on the Rush Podcast Network. My name is Josh Tyler, and this is CapChat.